0: Hace aún muy pocos días que en la calle de La Paz, los gendarmes atisbaron un gran baile singular. Cuarenta y un lagartijos disfrazados, la mitad de simpáticas muchachas bailaban como el que más. La otra mitad con su traje, es decir, de masculinos, cosaban al estrechar a los famosos jotitos. Vestidos de raso y seda al último figurín, con pelucas bien peinadas y moviéndose con chic, Anónimo.
1: where
0: did you find it i actually found the poem on wikipedia which again i don't know if that's a reliable source it's a hundred
1: percent reliable <laughs> uh,
0: but i i kind of go beyond what wikipedia has because sometimes it has links and those links at the very end they they take you to some really i guess more legit uh, articles or things right. like that so yeah so that that poem is anonymous according to Wikipedia.
1: And it's a perfect opening for this week's episode. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to learn a little bit more about what that poem means.
0: I was kind of going back and forth on whether we should translate it in English, but a part of me doesn't want to.
1: Sorry, folks, I don't speak Spanish.
0: You can find a translation of it online, but I personally, like—I I'd rather just have it and say it in Spanish.
1: All right, so let's get started.
0: All right, let's do it. So, welcome to our second episode.
1: Second episode, second season. Here we go.
0: I hope this is longer. Than what? Than last season. We only did four, five episodes.
1: Oh, four episodes.
0: Yeah. We have like six ideas that we kind of want to cover, so we're going to be busy.
1: We've been busy. Yeah, we have. We have. Then we're getting back to normal, to normal life. Mm.
0: So, on this episode, we are going to be talking about Jota Which is what
1: for the non-Spanish speakers? Gay shit. Because that's how we roll.
0: So, if you have any type of homophobia, I don't know, first, seek help. You have bigger issues at play. Second, this is our podcast, so I want to talk what I
1: want to talk about. And if you are listening to this and you have homophobia, what the hell are you doing listening to our show? Although, just subscribes, We need the traffic. That's true. <laughs> Bring everyone, your grandma, too. Yeah. So She's welcome. Yeah, so I decided to, to
0: kind of do some research on gay life culture in Mexico you know we were both born in mexico but we are whitewashed immigrants so what's the subject for today the subject is el baile de los 41 Ooh,
1: oh, Well, i have a story about 41 okay what is it it kind of relates to it, it relates to what we're doing today oh, okay so way back when i was 18 i had a best friend who was from mexico city oh okay so he didn't he didn't speak any english he came to the united states he was learning english so i would have to talk to him in spanish the way that i speak spanish was not the best but anyway Whenever the number 41 came up, mm-hmm. he would laugh. Mm. He would laugh uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. 41 would come up again, mm. and he would laugh uncontrollably. Finally, I, I said, you know what? What's so funny? Mm. And then he just laughed. And uh, FYI, this was before he knew that I was gay. Okay. So finally, I, I sat him and I said, well, what's so funny about every time I say 41, oh. you you laugh? And so he explained to me that in Mexico, 41 is like calling someone a fag.
0: Oh, there's a stigma to it.
1: Yeah. And we left it at that. Yeah. He didn't give me he didn't give me the the background to it or anything. Uh-huh. So I knew about the number and how it was thought of as a slur, right? But I didn't really do any research about it. and Forgot about it until you brought this up again oh. years later. So yeah. I think yeah. So this was this was going to be really interesting for me.
0: Oh, I mean, it's interesting that you have that story because I'm going to talk a little bit about that impact of 41 in Mexico. The history. The, yeah, the histories. All right. Picture it. November 17th, 1901. Colonia Tabacalera, Mexico City.
1: Aw, oh, Sophia.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of wanted to read it that way to see if we picked up on it. Of
1: course I do. <laughs> did we just watch an episode last night? Yeah. Of course we did. All right. So, a
0: private home is illegally raided on Calle de la Paz. The guests include the upper echelons of Mexican society, all dressed to the nines in their best wigs, makeup, and dresses. History will know this as El Baile de los 41 or Los 41 Maricones. The scandal was called The Invention of Homosexuality in Mexico by prominent Mexican writer Carlos Monsivias.
1: So the Mexicans named it mm-hmm. homosexuality. We're going to name it. Yep. Awesome. All right. You want to hear the players and the details? Yes. Okay.
0: In Mexico, in the early part of the 20th century, the bailes were made up of only men or only women, and they were done frequently, but in a secretive way due to discriminatory and public condemnation. Some sources reported the bailes were justified as parade costume parties filled with transvestite themes for both men and women. So, it's basically like drag kings and drag queens
1: Ooh, like a mexican mardi gras
0: like a ball it's like the early version of a ball oh awesome yeah Lena you know, like pose mm. yeah Ooh,
1: the third season's coming out oh it is yeah, oh awesome. we should do an episode of
0: that we are gonna do an episode of yeah. That. yeah all right all right so in the early hours of november 18th the baile was illegally raided it was full of debauchery and included a rafle de pepito what do you think that is
1: Well, I know rafle is like a raffle. Mm -hmm. Pepito. I know a lot of Pepito jokes.
0: (laughs) So it was a contest that resulted in the prize being a... Pepito? Sex worker. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) Well, he could have been named Pepito. Uh, Yeah, that's true. So one (laughs) of the most... the name.
1: Pepito. Rafle del Pepito. Yeah. All right. So... (laughs) Is that the term, pipi? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Medically? Yes. In Mexico. El pipi. El pipi. El pipi. El pipi. There
0: we go. One of the most notable- All
1: or- the Pepito jokes that I know are about his pipi, so it goes oh that. God. Okay, can I
0: finish? Yeah, can finish, I finish? All right. So one of the most notable organizers of this event was Ignacio de la Torre y Mier, who was a Mexican businessman, landowner, and a politician, and who was also the son-in-law of the president of Mexico at the time, Porfirio Diaz. Whom we talked about last week. We did. He was dealing with his own scandal for having a corrupt government. So, this was not a good look. Another notable organizer was Antonio Adalid, nicknamed Toña la Mamonera, who was the godson of Maximilian I and Carlota, the Belgian emperor and empress of Mexico.
1: I wonder how he got that name.
0: Mm. Do you want to translate it? Mamonera? Uh huh. Well, Toña is just the name, right? Or does that, that signify something?
1: Jotonia, Jota, Joto. Mm, okay. The mamonera. I mean, sucker, right? The oral copulator.
0: Uh, oh, oh shit. You got technical. <laughs>
1: is <Sexist> technical.
0: <laughs> Allegedly, there were 42 participants at this dance, but only 41 were arrested. The 42nd attendee being Ignacio de la Torre, who was allowed to escape, a rumor neither confirmed nor denied. The 41 were charged with an offense to morals and good manner. Most detainees were able to pay their way to freedom, but 12 were convicted and conscripted into the army and sent to the Yucatan, where the caste wars were still being fought.
1: So were they fighting in the front lines of the war? Is that the way they were, like, their punishment? Were they going to get killed? or
0: they, they weren't fighting the front lines, but they used them to do, like, menial shit, like oh, okay. sweeping the... Oh, kind you of, know, okay. yeah, 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 like yeah. all that. But I th- there was one thing that I read that they made them kind of like public humiliation in their getup.
1: Oh, oh yeah. That sucks. So that
0: was kind of part of the the punishment. So, I mean, it literally pretty much sounds like typical classism in Mexico, right? Because 41... Well,
1: if you were able to pay your way out, you're like, okay, cool, you can go. Kind of the same thing happening everywhere. Yeah,
0: so I'm thinking probably those 12 people that were... The poor ones. Yeah, that that looked poor and that couldn't afford to get their names out of, you know... there were. I don't think there were ever any names because they were all wealthy, but... Except for the 12? Except for the 12.
1: Ain't that always the way.
0: The following dramatized quote were written in El Popular, a newspaper of the time. On Sunday night, at a house on the fourth block of Calle La Paz, the police burst into a dance attended by 41 unaccompanied men wearing women's clothes. Among those individuals were some of the dandies seen every day on Calle Plateros. They were wearing elegant ladies' dresses, wigs, false breasts, earrings embroidered slippers, and their faces were painted with highlighted eyes and rosy cheeks. When the news reached the street, all forms of comments were made, and the behavior of those individuals were subjected to censure. We refrain from giving our readers further details because they are exceedingly disgusting. The derelicts, petty thieves, and cross-dressers sent to Yucatan are not in the battalions of the army fighting against the Mayan Indians but have been assigned to public works and the towns retaken from the common enemy of civilization. The impact that this event has had in Mexico's history is still present to this day, through press reports, engravings, plays, and paintings and literature. In 1906, Eduardo A. Castrejón published a novel of social criticism titled Los Cuarenta y Uno. Illustrator and printmaker, José Guadalupe Posada, depicted the events in political illustrations. You can actually learn more about Posada on our Halloween episode of last season. There's also a depiction of this event in the telenovela, El Vuelo del Águila. That was actually centered around the life of Porfirio Diaz, and that aired in 1994 in Mexico.
1: I wonder if it aired in the U.S. Mm. Because it sounds familiar.
0: It could have been.
1: I mean, I wasn't really paying attention, but yeah. every time my mom was watching some novela, I remember there one being where they were dressed in that 1800 R- garb. Row, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, who knows what it was, but... Yeah.
0: So, the numbers 41 and 42 have been synonymous with homosexuality in Mexico. So, that kind of gives context to your yeah f- the story about story, your friend.
1: Yeah, because now I have context. Yeah. So, it's kind of cool to find out where it's come full circle.
0: So, I, I also found this out about the number 41. So essayist Francisco I. Urquizo said in nineteen sixty-five. In Mexico, the number forty one has no validity and is offensive. The influence of this tradition is so strong that even officialdom ignores the number forty one. No division, regiment, or battalion of the army is giving the number forty one. From forty, they progress directly to forty two. No payroll has a number forty one. Municipal records show no houses with the number 41, if this cannot be avoided. No hotel or hospital has a room number 41. No one celebrates their 31st birthday, going straight to 40 to 42. No vehicle is assigned a number plate with 41, and no police officer will accept a badge with the number 41. I wonder how true this is, if this is, this yeah. was written in 1965,
1: so I wonder like... I'm sure that's changed. Yeah. But wow, to actually write it down and say, this number is outlawed because gays. Right. That's pretty homophobic.
0: I will say, it kind of ends on a better note, because recently, gay Mexicans have reclaimed the number 41, and it's become a symbol of pride and strength for queer people in Mexico.
1: Wow, that was really interesting. Yeah? Very educational and fun. Yeah, I hope and it, gay. Hope was we kept it nice and gay. And gay. Yay. I don't know so why I said
0: it. In a Scottish <laughs> accent Did or you? something. Rosé, rosé. You're trying to be rosé. So I have some trivia. Ooh, trivia. you want to read the trivia back and forth. Sure. So now we have some Mexican trivia.
1: Ooh, trivia. Yeah. But wait, b- before we do, we need to pause. I need a pee pee. Okay. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Let's continue. I'll just talk about Pepito and Pipi. Got me wanting to go to the bathroom.
0: (laughs) All right, so back to the trivia. Let's
1: go to the trivia. Mexicans abolished most discriminatory legal distinctions based on sexual orientation way before the US. For example, in 1871, they decriminalized sodomy. Progressive and yet backwards.
0: In 2003, Mexico unanimously passed an anti-discrimination bill in which sexual orientation was protected with a new agency to enforce the anti-discrimination law and an anti-homophobia campaign went along with it.
1: Nice. Mexico's constitution prohibits discriminations based on sexual preference. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Mexico's conservative state of Puebla, which we also talked about in our last episode. What happened at Puebla?
1: Mexican independence.
0: No, it's full Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) Cinco de Drunko. So they have voted to legalize same-sex marriages by an overwhelming majority. It joins 32 other states in Mexico recognizing same-sex marriages. In 2017, the rainbow flag was projected to a building for gay pride.
1: Yay, gay pride. Even with these progressive laws, the rules have not been implemented. Mexico has seen a surge in extreme violence towards the LGBTQ plus community. Trans and gay killings went up by 28% in 2018. From 2015 through 2019, 441 LGBTQ members were murdered. They continue to experience prejudice. Most people won't rent to the LGBTQ plus community, with trans people being most affected. And those are for the ones that are reported, but they think that it's way higher than that. And this is based on an article from Reuters by Oscar Lopez from May 2020.
0: And one more thing that I kind of came across while researching this whole topic. So, allegedly, Ignacio de la Torre had an affair with, you want to guess? With? Think of the time period. Porfirio. No. With Emiliano Zapata.
1: Oh. Ooh. Mm-hmm.
0: Actually, he was rumored to be bisexual. Emiliano. Aren't we all, though? Emiliano, I guess, to some degree. I'm bisexual. Does I that know. make me a lesbian? Anyways, again, <laughs> so something that I would like to research more of to see if that is true. The family of, of of Zapata, they were infuriated by a depiction of an artist where Zapata was on a nude horse with high heels and a sombrero. Is there a picture? There is there is a painting.
1: You can find it on our
0: Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, we'll we'll post that up on there. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I I kind of want to do an episode of like Mexican machismo
1: or you know machismo in general. Well, there's a lot of machismo in this episode, right? Yeah. Although they had their they implemented Mexico implemented the law a lot sooner than the United States. Yeah, it's far more the machismo is far more prominent. Over there. I right.
0: Think. And then also it's written in the constitution. Right. Right. From the get go, for I think from the inception of of, the, of their constitution.
1: Very cool.
0: Yeah. So Netflix, like I said, on May twelfth, will be releasing a fictionalized retelling of the scandal.
1: Oh, I hope it's not like that Stonewall movie where they changed everything. I don't know.
0: But this one is gonna focus
1: more on Ignacio de la Torre and he is being
0: played by Alfonso Herrera.
1: Make sure you tune in to Netflix.
0: So just FYI, from what I've kind of researched. So there's very little historical evidence of the scandal other than it happened. So the movie will actually contain a lot of artistic freedom. The film is actually directed by David Pablos, written by Monica Revilla, and starring, like I said, Alfonso Herrera. So I'm, I'm really excited to see this film We're going to post pictures of the real people on our IG page and pictures for the film as well, as well as the political satire drawing of José Guadalupe Posada. So it's kind of cool how everything kind of ties in unknowingly. But, you know, we're doing history, right? Yeah. And if anybody out
1: there who is a historian or knows a little bit more of that, hit us up on Instagram. Let us know what we missed. We got everything right. Did we get yeah. it wrong?
0: I mean, I kind of trust sort of my research. There is a book. If anyone is interested, I don't know. We could, There'll be links. Yeah, we could put links somewhere up. So, you know, that's kind of where we got, or where I got the research from, was from these, from these links. And they're all kind of affiliated with uh, prominent institutions and writers. So...
1: Very good. I'm excited. So make sure to yeah. look for that.
0: Yep. So check us out on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook. Oh, yeah. Facebook. We have a Facebook. We have a and face. Then
1: Tenemos el face.
0: El book del face.
1: If you want to know where you can listen to us, you can go to our website, dos2mexicans.com. Dos2mexicans.com. And, we'll
0: and also don't forget on Apple Podcast and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasting
1: on. On. So what, what do we what do we have coming up next week?
0: Next week, I think we're going to talk about another artist. Yes, we're kind of doing like an artist Netflix thing because there is a Netflix show about this artist.
1: Actually, his story is quite fascinating. It is, and I don't think there are enough people that really know about him, yeah. his story, and his artwork. And um, I
0: want to actually get some prints of his artwork.
1: Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. And yeah. you know, when we saw this documentary. This documentary the story that went with it was just as amazing. So Yeah,
0: it's no different than like a Monet or well, all I those mean, pixelated Well, that's
1: what, you know, in the documentary that says that he's there on the in that ranks same, in that yeah, same category of yeah. artists. So And,
0: you know, that's kinda of what we're trying to do. I think for ourselves or I'll speak for myself is just learn about what Mexican people or people of color What they contribute or what they do contribute to our society? Because I
1: don't want to think of it as them contributing to, Hmm. but finally getting the recognition. You know that we didn't know that Mexico had implemented all of this stuff before the United States, right? But then you start hearing, oh, you know, United States so progressive, and the same thing with art. You know, people say, oh, the art is some of the well, no, some of the best artists came from Europe, right? But at the same time, that these European artists were doing stuff, Mexican art was also being created, yeah, independently. So. Yeah,
0: there was a whole fucking civilization.
1: We are redefining, (laughs) adding to what was already happening.
0: Because I read somewhere where Mexican history or Latino history is American history. Because if you think about it, it's all the Americas. Americas. Exactly. So there you go.
1: Boom. Tune in next week then. Check out this episode. Rate us. Subscribe. Share it with people we want. More than two listeners review and review us on po- on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, get us all right, up y'all. get us up there, please. Have a very good week. Have a good week, and we'll see you next week. All right, adiós, 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 adiós. You have been listening to. Those Those Two Mexicans. Don't be that person and miss any of our episodes.
0: Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts at Those Two
1: Mexicans. And follow us on Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter at Those Two Mexicans.
0: And you can also email us at Mexicans at gmail.com. And in case we haven't been clear, we are Those Those
1: Two two Mexicans. See you next week. Hasta la próxima.